Welcome to the Hill Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War. I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Hill Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our Black joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind, body, soul, relationships, and businesses. And in today's conversation, we are talking about diabetes in the Black community. And today, tonight, our guest is Miss Leslie Tarleton. She's a hairstylist and owner of Brown Girls Embrace, a self-love community for women to gain self-confidence, self-love, and women supporting other women. Her life in having anxiety and type 1 diabetes inspired her to create Brown Girls Embrace with the mission to focus on self-love through hair care and other self-care products mental health and managing one type one diabetes hello how are you good how are you i am doing so good so good it's so good to have you on same here i know right um so so the theme we oh god we ended last month with an ode to black men and it was such uh uh it was it was a celebration of black men it was a mm-hmm. celebration of uh our guys and it was so wonderful like i got so much feedback on it so i wanted to keep the ball rolling in the theme of celebrating our blackness and our healing and our joy one thing that we got to talk about is our health so the month of december is dedicated to health whether that be holistic health care um finding your joy in exercise talking about the things the issues that plague us in our community and one of the many things that plagues our community with the diagnosis of diabetes Mm -hmm. that is one of the very things that plagues our community it's a huge issue it's a huge problem in our community specifically And I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you. One, because you're very passionate about it. And also Mm -hmm. because you live this journey. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me, Miss Leslie, about your journey having type 1 diabetes. How did you find out? What was going on in your life that, you know, brought this particular disease on? Well, um, Unfortunately, my father committed suicide when I was nine years old. I was a daddy's girl. Um, And when that happened, I didn't talk much because I didn't understand what was going on at such a young age. So I became kind of numb and like I didn't talk about it. Um, So six months later, um, I remember I was hanging out with some of my cousins and I kept going to the bathroom. Like they took me to this basketball game and I kept urinating. And um, my cousin was like, she drinks her whole, you know, the whole cup of soap, you know, soda she has. And then she's off to the bathroom and she's thirsty again. So I was always dehydrated. So finally, um, my mom took me to the doctors and I was diagnosed with juvenile type 1 diabetes. Oh, wow. So you were how old when that happened? Nine. So he died when I was nine and six months later, all in the same year, um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Wow. Yes. So t- talk to us about your journey as a child because we know that your emotional health and your physical health kind of go hand in hand it's like a marriage it's a marriage and 
what was going through your mind when your father committed suicide at such, you know, with you being so young? And how did that affect you on a daily basis before you got to finding out about your diagnosis of type 1 diabetes? What was your day-to-day -day routine? What did it look like? How were you feeling in particular? I remember it was just like a nightmare, kind of like, it was just like, why me? Because I'm an only child. I'm, I'm my dad's only child and my mom's only child. So I was just like, why did he leave me? He didn't love me or I would have nightmares that he would come back and kill me. So um, I went through a lot of trauma, a lot of self-hate because I just thought, why did he leave me? Do I do something wrong? Did he not want me? Like, was I extra burden because he had to pay child support? I didn't, you know, because my parents wasn't married. So it mm -hmm. was just a lot of things. A young person, um, I didn't get therapy because I, I was just I numb after I found out that um, he committed. And actually, one of my friends told me, like, we were nine. And I guess one of my friends overheard their mother talking on the phone, like, oh, well, you know, I heard he, and my friend asked me, like, did your dad do this? And so, because my parents didn't, I mean, my, my uncle, my, um, my mom and my uncle and them, they didn't tell me how he died. They, they didn't tell you how he died. So, no, you, you're just thinking that your father left you, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So with it so when when you discovered or when your friend said or asked you did your father commit suicide did you understand at that young age what that meant no i went back and um because i had just left the house i went in the car and i was like my did my dad do this because someone so said that he did this and she was just like well we wasn't trying to tell you but yes and then that's when i found out like i got really sad and depressed Mm. I just and I thought life wasn't fair because after that and then after the doctors told me I had was diagnosed with diabetes I thought I had bad luck like what's going on with my life you know right being the age that you were um I'm so glad that you're talking about your emotional state during this time after your father committed suicide because um I, my holistic doctor and I love my holistic doctor he uh he introduced me to a book years ago called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. And it's by an author by the name of Carol Truman. And in the book, it describes diagnosis and the feelings or emotions that are attached to those particular diagnoses, right? right? So when I looked up diabetes, when I wanted to have this conversation with you, I was like, let me just look at what diabetes is, one, and two, what are the emotions or the feelings that are attached to that particular diagnosis? And so I'm going to read some of these things out to you. And hopefully, you know, we can have some dialogue about them. And you can tell me whether or not this is something that you identified with during that time. Okay. So some of the emotions that were associated with diabetes in particular were judging self or others severely, disappointed in life ongoing feelings of sorrow, emotional shock, joy of life is gone, feeling it should have been different, obsessed with wanting to control, ashamed of something that was done in the past. So can you identify with any of those emotions yeah. or feelings? I, I feel like basically all of them, like, feeling of sorrow and pain and emotional issues like why me like 
totally. And then um, just so happened that when I was 24, I was very, very angry because I never got therapy. And then I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at 24. Mm. And the mm. thing about the thing about anxiety and depression, those are symptoms of other other things that have been suppressed, mm. right? Exactly, because I never talked about his death or me even getting diabetes and my life changing. I, I literally watched an interview today where uh, an actress, Jennifer Lewis, was talking about we are only we are as sick as our secrets, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. when we don't discuss, when we don't bring up and we don't talk about the trauma that we've experienced in our past, mm -hmm. it manifests itself in our bodies as other things. And granted, you know, a lot of that has to do with diet. A lot of that has to do with stress. Mm -hmm. In particular, diabetes statistics in America for African-Americans, like just looking at the numbers that I posted this week, 4.9 million African-American adults or 18.7% of all African-Americans younger than the age of 20 or greater than the age of 20 have diagnosed or undiagnosed diabetes. The risk of diabetes is 77% higher among African-Americans than among non-Hispanic white Americans. Um, African-American men were 2.2 times more likely to start treatment for end-stage uh, renal disease related to diabetes that non-Hispanic white men experience. African-Americans with diabetes were 1.5 times more likely to be hospitalized and 2.3 <coughs> times more likely to die from diabetes than non-Hispanic whites. African-Americans are also, are almost 50% more likely to develop diabetic retinopathy than non-Hispanic whites. And yeah. when I was looking at that, that came from the American Diabetic Association. When I was looking mm -hmm. at those statistics, what stuck out to me was not only the African-American men, like just doing that series last month on men, talking to them about grief, talking to them about mental health. A lot of times black men don't talk about their pain. They don't talk about their grief. They don't talk about what's going on with them. And because right. of that stress, because of that grief, because of that depression, it will literally manifest itself in the body as high blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. And if you know or anything with the heart if you know anything with the correlation of high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease, they're all like cousins to one another because doctors will put you on, on blood pressure medicine. And what it does is it'll blow your kidneys out, right? Ooh. And once it blows the kidneys, my holistic doctor explained it to me. Once it blows your kidneys, then everything else is just like a trickle effect. It'll start affecting your heart. It'll start uh -huh. affecting, you know, how you produce insulin or how you don't produce insulin. So mm -hmm. talk to me about your journey as an adult, um, finding out that you had, you know, anxiety and depression. And then how did that play out in you dealing with your, your diabetes? Um, so I'm, I'm so happy and I will recommend anybody to start therapy if you need to go like, you need to talk to somebody. It was kind of like a relief. Like, 
it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder after I started therapy. I've been in therapy for five years. I'll be 32 in this, the, on the 15th. And I've been in therapy since I was 24. And I promise it feels like a ton of bristles off my shoulders. Like I finally knew what I needed to work on to get better. And that was being more organized, meal prepping, working out. Like God, but when we go to the doctors and our nutritionists, they tell us what we need to do. But there's those constant reminders that make sure like, no, you need to have a day where you're taking care of everything you need to take care of. You need to meal prep for the week. You need to you know, plan up your schedule for the week where you can exercise. So just being better organized. And that's why I talk so much about self-care and self-love is because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of nobody else. Mm. If you don't love yourself, then who will? So you need to have time for yourself. A lot of people are mothers and wives and CEOs and owners. But are they taking that time to take care of themselves? Because I wasn't. I was taking care of the world. And I wasn't doing nothing for myself. And I was slowly dying. My A1C was high because I didn't, I didn't value myself enough. So that's what I try to teach to people. Absolutely. So can you talk to me about type 1 diabetes versus type 2 diabetes? I know you're dealing with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. What is specific to type 1 diabetes when it comes to African-Americans? Like, what is that journey like? Well, type 1, usually your pancreas doesn't produce insulin and you have to inject it back into your body. Um, and it's hereditary. Mine's was hereditary because my dad's mom, my grandmother had it. So it was hereditary for me. Um, type 2, it could be based on your health, whether you're overweight or high blood pressure or something around that, you know that area. But um, juvenile is, you know, babies can be born with type 1, type 1 diabetes because this is hereditary. Or now it's not even hereditary. I'm part of the um, T1D community, type 1 um, community. And some people are getting type 1 at age 24. So it's not called juvenile anymore. It is called type 1. And you can get it at any age. And when you say hereditary, what that sticks out to me and what's alarming about hereditary is if you go back into your DNA, mm -hmm. what's hereditary is our trauma. <laughs> okay. What's hereditary is our trauma, which because people <laughs> say, agree. you know, oh, you know, my mother had cancer and cancer runs in my family. Yes, it is definitely about what you model as your behavior, whether your family ate properly or ate a certain type of way, and then you develop those same habits, and so you eat a certain type of way. But right. it's based off of the stress levels that your family went through. It's based off of the type of food that you eat and how you, pre how you prepared it. And it's also based of, of, around your surroundings, like, what is your environment like while you're at home? Like, mm -hmm. as a child growing up in a single parent household because your father committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So you were dealing with trauma that you noticed that six months later, you were then diagnosed with type yes. 1 diabetes. The doctors did say that because of I didn't talk about it. That's what brought on the diabetes. It was the trauma. They said I would have got it earlier. I mean, I would have got it um, as an adult. But since that trauma happened, that's why it happened so quickly. And I suppressed it. accelerated it. it. Yeah. It uh -huh. accelerated it. Um, drop down in the comments. I see there are a few people on. I see someone that said they're black diabetic girl. Um, 
drop oh, down in the God. comments oh. if you um are dealing with or you know someone who has type 1 or type 2 diabetes and if you know their journey and what their journey looks like i would love to uh to understand and talk to and you know get some feedback on that because i think that your emotional health and your physical health go hand in hand and i think that's For what sure. you know we we don't ever talk about it in that manner we'll just go we to don't. the doctor and get medicine to take but medicine is yes. just that temporary fix for whatever is going on at that time, but it doesn't fix the whole entire um, thing. No, 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 it doesn't. It, doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't. doesn't fix the symptoms. So, yeah. um, actually, the, um, the the Black Diabetic Girl, we just did a um, a video called um, "Diabetes Look Like Me," and um, it was you know different African Americans, and we were saying the different symptoms of what we go through like a lot of people say you don't look like you a diabetic I'm like what is a diabetic supposed to look like just stuff like that right or when i was in right. school the doctor would tell me um i would tell the nurse oh my blood sugar is low i'm shaking well you look fine well you don't know what i'm i need to eat a snack because my blood sugar is low so we we, we do go through a lot that's unspoken of well not only that but statistics have shown that even when we go to the doctor's office or when we go uh, and I work in healthcare. I'm a healthcare trainer. But when we go to doctor's offices, a lot of times they one either misdiagnosis as African Americans, or mm -hmm. two they don't listen to what we're telling them when it comes to our health or what's going on in an emergent situation. We saw that last year during COVID, where people were being sent home because they didn't want to address whatever issues that was happening in the hospital, right? And we know that alarming rates, black women are dying at alarming rates when they have in childbirth because we don't have anybody on the inside that's advocating for our help. So it's super severely important as African-Americans to not only know what, you, what you're dealing with when it comes to your health, but also to be your own advocate. For your exactly. Um, I want to ask you this as you're in the healthcare and you just read a good, a good point. Why don't they listen to us when we tell them X, Y, and Z is wrong? Or Because they weren't taught to listen to us. It's about <laughs> having the diversity training to understand. It's just like in, even in corporate America. You know, they don't listen to us in corporate America either. So it's it's not just the patients it's the people that actually work there that mm -hmm. they don't listen to us either so it's just a, it's just a, a way of them not understanding us as a people right. um, and that's why it's super important to have these dialogues and to have these conversations about what is plaguing our community and how we can advocate for each other when it comes to the different um disparities that we deal with yeah. So I know that you you talk about your journey as being type one diabetic, but how does that how does that correlate with your day to day thought process and your mental health when it comes to you dealing with anxiety as well as dealing with depression? Okay, let me give you this example that happened just to, um, last night. So um, I'm in I'm trying to lose weight. Um, I'm in boot camp and everything like that. But if I don't eat the right a balanced meal of like carbohydrates, protein, and vegetables, 
my blood sugar can fluctuate. So a lot of times this happens. My blood sugar will be low at three o'clock in the morning and I'm halfway asleep, but I have to wake myself up to go get some something to bring my sugar up high. And I could remember, I went to go get uh, some cookies and I'm chewing the cookie while I'm sleeping. And I'm saying, I really hate having diabetes. Like I'm chewing, you know, but I'm asleep though. It's not a good feeling to be disturbed from your rest. But you have to get up because diabetes wakes you up. Or when you're driving and I have my nieces and nephews in the car and I'm shaking and my blood sugar is low, I'm worried about, oh, my gosh, i got to pull over so I won't crash. Like, it's just different stuff that you have to worry about. And losing weight for me is hard because um, I'm always trying to find the right thing to eat. Um, not losing my temper when my blood sugar is low because people don't understand that I'm irritated and I need something to eat but you keep talking to me and my body feels like I, I tell somebody it feels like an earthquake that I'm having by myself because my body is shaking and after that I'm exhausted because my body just went through trauma of a low blood sugar and that's hard because people don't see the outside what it looks like inside what I'm going through they look Oh, you fine. You good. Why are you being so dramatic? And I'm like, I'm not being dramatic. I'm really going through something. But not everybody right. so, understands. So people don't really understand what you're going going through internally or mentally. And they no. think just because on the outside you look a certain way, they're assuming that you're okay, but really you're not okay. And then with that frustration, that brings your anxiety on or that accelerates your depression. So talk to us about Brown Girls Embrace. What is Brown Girls Embrace? How did you come up with that? How did that get started? What was your passion when it came to Brown Girls Embrace? Well, Brown Girls Embrace was inspired by me, my life story, because um, I hated that I had diabetes. I hated that I had anxiety. I hated my complexion. I hated a lot of things about myself. But then it wasn't until I got older and I saw that a lot of girls, young girls, were insecure just how, how I was. So I wanted to create a support group where we're here for each other. If you, you're going through a difficult situation, we're going to overcome the situation together. We can't get rid of it, but we can deal with it together better. Right. So that was what Brown Girls and Braces about. And um, I feel like I get... Um, People come at me really hard because I guess I'm I could be aggressive and um, people don't really understand what I'm going through. So I always wanted to be like, I want to be that support group that I didn't have. So 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 how what is the age range for brown girls embrace? Like, is it teenagers? Is it young adults? How young how, adults? It's young, young adults. adults. Um, it I I welcome all, but a lot of people that respond to me are like younger. They're in the early early twenties, um, into like thirty five. I mean thirty six, forty. You know, a lot of people you know send me messages saying I love your encouraging words or whatever. Cause I just tell people what's on my mind and my heart. <laughs> And what's on your heart? Like, what do you what do you want to do when it comes to Brown Girls Embrace? Is it going to be about specifically women with diabetes, or just anybody who's dealing with a partic any particular diagnosis and they're dealing with anxiety or depression? What exactly are you 
trying to target? Who are the people that you're trying to target? Well, I wanted to target more so people who were just dealing with any type of health. Like, you know, in the African-American community, we all deal with something. But right, I do right. tend to um, attract more type 1 diabetes people um, and people who have anxiety and depression like I do. Um, anxiety is a killer. Like, it can drive you crazy if you let it, you know? So I just want well, to say anxiety. Anxiety is typically you worrying about your future and depression is you ruminating the thoughts of your past. Yes. Like you're trying to replay your past over and over and over again. And you get sad about it because of whatever it was that you didn't do right during that, mm -hmm. during the past. You want to read, you want to redo, you want to do over. Right. And the do over is gone. And I think a lot of times we as black women specifically we're either thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future and we're never present with what's going on. Yes. And I think I it's today. I think it's so important that we get to a place where we we become centered with ourselves in the moment because yeah, the past is gone and we can't do anything about it and yes the future is coming and we really can't do anything about that either. But if we center ourselves and we're able to stay in the moment, then we can start paying attention to what's going on internally as well as what's going on externally. What do you think yeah. about that? What, do you, what is your practice when it comes to being present? How has that become a part of your routine in dealing with anxiety and, and depression? Honestly, um, as you're speaking, since I started Brown Girls and Braces, it's only been a year. I, I don't find myself getting depressed as much as I was before because I guess I'm trying to help other people and be a positive source to other people. I do have my anxiety, mind you, but I don't get depressed. And I'm learning to be happy and grateful and live in the moment, you know? COVID-19 was a blessing in disguise because I got to sit down and reevaluate myself and count my blessings you know i am grateful for social media when we're now connecting with other people and i now get to connect with um young girls who are type 1 diabetics like me or who have anxiety and we can share tips and look and see how they deal with their day um so i'm living in the moment i'm learning how to be grateful and appreciative of stuff and not to be negative and look at the glass as half full instead of half empty right so if you were talking to another type 1 diabetic, right? Mm -hmm. A young girl who's gone through some some trauma. Mm -hmm. What would you say to her to encourage her in her journey? I would tell her that she can live a long, healthy life for as long as she wants to live. As long as you eat right and exercise and have the right mindset. Don't say, well, it's me. Because it happens. It's a part of imperfection. It's a part of human living. It's not your fault. You're not different. You're not, you know, you don't have bad luck like I thought I did. Uh, but you can get through it. Just manage. Make some time for yourself to take care of those things you need. Make time for meal prep. Make time for working out. Because we got to do those things to, to live a long, healthy life. Other people, right. normal people might not have to work out and eat right. But we do. So just right. do what you got to do and you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you had to go back and tell your younger self <laughs> something, what would be that something that you could go back and tell your younger self? Breathe. Mm. Breathe. Like, just 
take a couple of breaths, deep breaths in and out and just breathe, like calm down. It's, it's not the end of the world. You can live a long, healthy life, you know? Um, I think I worry so much because my grandmother, my father's mother, she ate whatever she wanted to eat. She was overweight. She was supposed to be on dialysis. And I always saw me marrying her. But I made up my, um, made up my mind when she passed away because she passed away of kidney and liver failure that I'm going to be a better diabetic than she was. I'm going to try my best to eat right and exercise. It might get happen. I might, the doctors might say, Leslie, you might have to go on dialysis. But at least I know I tried my hardest you know, to, to do what I was supposed to do, given right. the circumstances I was in. You know, it's it's not a lost cause. I'm still living. I still have a chance to get married and have kids and to be, you know, the size that I want to be. I just have to work a little bit harder. Right, right. That's important. Um, I always say, and I, I've been practicing this with everybody that I interview, um, mm -hmm. If you were to divine how you heal your black joy, what does that look like for you? What divine? What is that? What, how define. Like if you were to define. Oh, define. Black joy. Yeah, define. Um, I, I, my joy is helping people. I really like to help people. Like I've always been a helper. So if somebody sends me a text message or a DM saying, Leslie, I really like what you're saying, or I really like this. I'm a, I'm a hairstylist too, so when people come to me looking sad and depressed, I like when they leave out feeling happy, feeling like themselves again. Like seeing other people happy makes me happy. So that's my joy is seeing. I guess seeing other people happy. I guess absolutely. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it's been so good talking to you and trying to understand what your journey was from the time that your father committed suicide and you finding out about type one diabetes and your journey as a young adult, like what that looks like every single day, because it, you have to have mental toughness to not only deal with your journey as a type one diabetic, but also deal with the fact that you're having these thoughts in your mind about you know, you're anxious about things and you get depressed about what your what your journey is, right? Um, so I'm very thankful for you sharing that journey with uh, our Heal Black Joy tribe tonight. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What are you working on? Like, what is, what's what's next for you in Brown Girls Embrace? Um, what's next? So um, I have been, for the last year, I've been interviewing, um, women who are entrepreneurs on Wednesday. So I always say, I want to give women their flowers while they're here. So I'm having a networking event um, January 9th in uh, Washington, D.C. And I'm, I also have my shea butters in stores now. Um, I never, the shea butters that I have, I just was doing it because I like shea butter. But it's been taken off to another level. Um, somebody asked me to put my product in their store. So I'm working on different stuff like that. So I'm excited and I'm learning to live in the moment, as you say, and I'm just not worrying about what I'm going to do next or what happened in the past. I'm just really being appreciative of where I am now. I'm really blessed. I know there's going to be a lot of roadblocks, but I just got to keep moving forward, you know? Right. So if our Hill Black Joy tribe was trying to find you on social media, what is your social media Instagram name so that people can go and follow you? and keep up with what's going on with Brown Girls Embrace if they want to be a part of it. 
and also just to encourage you on your journey because i think that you know we as black women we have this thing where a lot of times we don't encourage each other like we got to mm -hmm. start normalizing yes. rooting for our sisters because mm -hmm. you know tribe. when you, when you win we all win right we so mm -hmm. what is your what is your uh instagram name so that people can go and follow you it's at brown girls embrace and my youtube channel is brown girls embrace oh i'm brown girls embrace on all platforms clubhouse youtube instagram those are the three i'm on uh, facebook i have a facebook group i just started to so brown okay girls cool and so on wednesdays what time do you do your show on wednesdays um wednesdays it's called the queen's talk at eight o'clock on wednesdays Every Wednesday? Well, I try to make it every Wednesday. I'm going to, um, you know, try to make, be more consistent. But, yeah. Wednesday okay. Yes. All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us about your journey. I want to talk about, before we get off, I mm -hmm. want to mention um, I posted the ABCs of diabetes, and I thought it was really, really uh, uh, great information about diabetes in particular. And so the ABCs of diabetes are A, get your A1C check. Diet, mm -hmm. exercise, and certain medications can help to manage your A1C. Your A1C helps to prevent long-term diabetes-related complications. B, know your blood pressure. Remember I was saying at the beginning, blood pressure is, is, is definitely a part of this. If you have diabetes, you're more likely to also have high blood pressure. If left untreated, high blood pressure can impact your heart. Work with your doctor and dietitian to get your blood pressure under control. C, check your cholesterol. Diabetes may lower your good cholesterol while raising your bad cholesterol. Knowing your HDL, LDL, and triglyceride levels is a must. Work with your doctor to know and understand those levels. And then D, Check with your doctor as well as your dietitian. Diabetes is affecting our community at alarming rates. Contact mm -hmm. your doctor as well as your dietitian to check if you could potentially be pre-diabetic or have diabetes. Let's all be proactive when it comes to this particular disease. Yes, and take it serious. Oh, before we got, we talked about the black men. A lot of black men don't take diabetes seriously and they end up losing a limb or on dialysis. So we want to encourage, because I have a lot of male friends who are type one and they don't take it serious. So make sure y'all doing what you're supposed to do so y'all can live a long, healthy life so y'all won't leave your families because it hurts when we lose somebody from something that can be prevented. Absolutely. I think that is very important. Um, just talking to several different people last month when we did the ode to black men the thing that was alarming to me in the comments on the shows as well as the dms that i got from the men you know talking about their grief and their mental health mm -hmm. they do not like it's very very taboo for black men in particular to mm -hmm. talk about the things that are plaguing them whether that's a physical mental or emotional so i encourage all our heal black joy tribe men to please not only make sure that you're getting your checkups done but also make sure that you're talking to a healthcare professional about what you're dealing with physically emotionally as well as mentally yes 
Yes, Do you yes, have yes. any uh, last words for us, Leslie? Nope. Um, Black Diabetic Girl says, also educate yourself on different types. Yes. We do want to Absolutely. There are different types of diabetics. Mm -hmm. uh, someone said, I'm borderline diabetic and it's so hard to try to eat right. Yeah, we all have that. We are all dealing with that particular yes. struggle. And um, we just have to, we got to prioritize our health. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Like, like she said, the things that you do, like what day do you meal prep? Do you meal prep on Sunday? Yep. I try to go to the grocery store, meal prep and say, I'm going to eat this this week. I try to have at least three different things. I have a lunch box I take with me in my car. Um, I just try to be responsible for the diabetes. It's like a child you got to take care of. So right. it's been on top of it. I remember as a young person, like, you know, in my early 20s, my friends was like, why are you always getting a lunchbox? Mm, I got to eat, you know? Right. So, mm -hmm. so it's very important, you guys, um, to, to, to put your health first. Yeah, um, so we're not here there's nothing for us to do like we could talk about heal black joy all you know until the end and that's my passion is heal, healing black joy but we gotta be here to heal it you know what i mean so it's the healing is not just an internal thing it's it, it is an internal thing but we've got to heal everything our physical our mental our emotional our spiritual so yeah. Um, I think it's very key that we had this conversation and I'm so appreciative that you shared your journey with us well, and, and, and you dealing with type one diabetes. Thank you guys for joining in. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate you having this conversation with us. Always remember that this healing journey, sometimes it's going to feel like soul food and sometimes it's going to feel like war. I urge you to acknowledge and honor both positions and everything in between. Thanks for tuning into the Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War.